If this is your first episode of Something Positive for Positive People, welcome here. I do not encourage you to start here. This podcast has not much to do with the regular content that you would be expecting if you had searched to see what this podcast was about. And then you're expecting that. I encourage you to scroll through the episode titles, read through the descriptions on whatever platform you're listening to on the podcast, or you can go to the website directly and scroll through and just glance over the titles as well. The website is www.spfpp.org slash podcast. All right. The reason that this episode is different is this is one of our solo episodes. And to be honest, (laughs) I should just start another podcast for just the stuff that I want to talk about on my own. Uh, It is, well, we're at the end of Black History Month. This is the last Friday of February 2021. I don't know if you noticed, but the episodes that I've released this month have all been featuring black guests, except for the one that I released uh, February 3rd. So uh, that was the reason that I released two episodes in one week to make up for that. So uh, yeah, that was something that kind of just happened. Actually, I didn't even recognize it until I looked up and I started to process the recording of this episode. So to give you a quick overview, I am going to be talking about the challenge of expressing emotions as a black man in America. Let's be specific there. I am going to talk about control. I am going to talk about boundaries. I am going to talk about uh, sex. And I'm going to talk about, what's the other thing? Connection. Yeah, I had to take notes so I make sure that I didn't miss anything as I go through um, what it is that I'll be speaking about. So before I get into that, I uh, got the COVID vaccine, uh, the first dose. I got the Moderna. And uh, I want to just share that quick story about how that happened because this was some divine intervention right here. One of my best friends is getting married in May, um, and I went to fill out the RSVP. Come to find out, I'm in a wedding. I was like, <laughs> that, that's another story. <laughs> but um, yeah, so one of the questions on there was, if the vaccine is available to you, will you take it? The COVID vaccine. So I'm clear. I'm not sure when people would be listening to this podcast episode. And uh, so I scrolled through and I was like, I guess, but I doubt that I'm able to uh, get it. I kid you not, within probably hours, my buddy, uh, one of my uh, one of the other trainers at the gym that I work at, he sent the group text to uh, Carl and myself and was like, hey, uh, I got access to a vaccine if one of y'all want it and Carl wants to wait a little bit to see what happens there so I was like what all right I'll do it so I signed up I got the email and everything and it was scheduled for February 16th right so um, the other trainer now we go Malcolm is his name we go to um, one of our clients who owns a healthcare facility ended up with two extra vaccines that if not used she would have had to get rid of 
So I think she posted to Facebook and just was like, hey, I have two vaccines. Does anybody want them? And nobody wanted them. Or Malcolm was just on top of it. Uh, when he saw it, he reached out. And um, it just happened that the vaccine's availability circulated through uh, his network as you know, something that the people around him he wanted to offer it to first didn't want it. So uh, I was next in line and I got that thing. So I went through the process of getting it. It was it was easy. We signed some paperwork. Uh, I go in and they give me the shot at about 2 p.m. And then uh, I go home. My arm hurts from the shot. And um, I'm hanging out. I go back to work at the end of the day. I play some video games. And then uh, I go to bed. I usually go to bed roughly 9 o'clock. I'm in the bed. And then usually asleep by, I don't know, 10, 10.30. So uh, I might have been up a little bit later this night, go to sleep, um, and it's cold. This is like during the winter weeks of uh, temperatures really being down. So I go to bed and I put my temperature at about 70. I usually sleep with it at about 68. I turn the fan on for noise and uh, like incentive of staying under the covers, right? I don't know if anybody else does that. And so I wake up at 1.15. I had to go pee. First thing I notice is I'm really, really cold. So I stand up and then I'm really, really dizzy. I start walking and I'm really, really achy. And it honestly felt like I had COVID again because uh, I had it in September. Uh, yeah, September 2020. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm walking. I go and I pee. I turn on my heat to like 74. I add a couple of layers of clothing on and uh, I believe, no, I didn't take Tylenol yet. I hurried up and got back under the covers because that was it. Like I'm teeth chattering cold and I'm thinking to myself, y'all, this is how I die. I was like, out of all the stuff that I done done, this is how I'm about to go out. So I'm, I do a little bit of Googling about the symptoms and everything. And you know, sure enough, those were potential symptoms of uh, getting the vaccine. I had joint pain, the body aches, and uh, a headache. The headache was new. The last time I had COVID, I don't think that I, the last time I had it, the, when I had COVID, I was not, I, I didn't have the headache, but this time I had a headache. So um, I, I'm, I'm trying to sleep. I end up texting Carla, no, hey, I'm not going to be able to open the gym me back as soon as you can and let me know what needs to be done so um uh, he ended up having to open at the gym that day so i'm laying down i sleep maybe a couple of hours and i'm, I'm in and out of sleep until about 7 a.m and i'm still having the symptoms so i'm just staying in bed something said drink water i had no desire to do anything that was outside of those covers so uh, I'm, I'm laying there, uh, planning out my will. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm being dramatic. Uh, and then about nine o'clock, nothing. My symptoms were just gone with the exception of the headache. The headache stayed. I took some extra strength Tylenol a couple of times throughout the day to just help with that symptom. And for just that eight hours, I was cold, achy, dizzy, and had a headache. Uh, that was my reaction to the vaccine, or the first dose of the Moderna vaccine. So, 
I'm alive, I'm good, and I understand there's a lot of um, debate and conversation around like black people and taking the vaccine and our history with distrust in the medical community because the medical community has given us a history of reasons to not take the vaccine but i'm gonna be honest y'all i'm i'm tired <laughs> yeah i'm tired of this pandemic like i'm sure a lot of people are like i'm tired of having to report my weekly earnings to supplement my income to the government because i should be making at least triple what i make now um financially i'm tired of the limitations and i just want this shit to be over with so uh the fact that this happened the fact that the vaccine literally just came to me and fell into my lap the way that it did um i i, I did it you know i've been someone who was on the fence about it for a long time uh because of that distrust in the medical community but i i'm self-aware enough to know that you know if there is some kind of agenda or some shit I, I, it worked it worked on me i've been worn down enough to the point where i'm like fuck it i'll just deal with the consequences um and i recognize and acknowledge that there's so much privilege in this uh, like what are the odds right <laughs> and um i see people that post all the time that Oh, I got my vaccine, and ah, it, it, I don't feel like it resonates with me to share that in that way. If you listen to this podcast, and by now, you at the very least are aware of, you have an idea of who I am and the kind of person I am. So it wouldn't be something that's really in my character to post a, a picture of it. Um, healthcare professionals and, you know, people who uh, have to get it, I understand the messaging and the meaning behind getting uh, or posting the vaccine to encourage other people to get it. So, I mean, this is my alternative way of doing that. Um, I'm sure if I were to do it, like the issues that I've been having with Instagram and social media, as far as uh, uplifting the posts that I make, like I'm sure this will help. But um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm letting y'all know through the podcast and that's good enough for me right now. So yeah that that was my reaction and what's interesting is just the validation that i received from the universe about my uh <clears throat> about my decision because i trusted my intuition i was supposed to have gone to uh san diego not just in may for the wedding but also march 18th now my vaccination date was on february 16th they said i'll have to come back in a month and um a month to me meant before March 16th for sure uh, that would be the latest that I'd get it so um, I had a flight plan for March 18th and I was like oh this will work out perfectly because by the time I get the second dose I'll be fully vaccinated um, with the COVID vaccine so I had my flight book and everything and then I thought to myself I was like you know what I don't know if I should go to San Diego twice uh, because I was going to see one of my best friends out there who had pushed his bachelor party back a year. Um, and then now, like, it's not even a bachelor party anymore. It was just like a bunch of us, or not a bunch of us, but a few of us getting together for the weekend at the house party, right? So um, 
yeah, I hit him up and was just like, hey, man, I'm going to be out there another time. I'll be out in May. I'll just extend my stay, blah, blah, blah. I kid you not. Within hours, again, <laughs> I get a text from the doctor uh, that we train who sends out the information for the second round of the vaccine. And the date is March 18th. The day that I was supposed to go to San Diego. So I share this just to tell you, you know, trust yourself, trust your instincts, trust your intuition. And the situation may not be as overt as this one is to where, you know, oh, my God, like this is a sign. I mean, it could just be a coincidence, but it's very validating when you feel that you're uh, trusting yourself. When you feel like you can trust yourself, right? I don't need to really go into the other stuff here. Um, yeah, I guess we can go right into the, the content. That wasn't supposed to have taken as long as it did. So if you're still with me, then trust me, it'll be worth it. I, but yeah, I just felt compelled to go ahead and share my experience with the vaccine. Um, all right, this is something that I'm processing here. I am processing what I wrote down here on paper in note style. So as I'm going through it, it may sound a little bit out of order, but I'm going to read it in the way, not read it, but I'm going to, you know, check in on it in a way that fits. Control over your partner. It's toxic and I've made a point in my life to make this consistent joke because Future got this song called Riding Strikers and one of the lines he said in it that speaks to my soul is that he's like I can't stand it won't enjoy life if it ain't toxic and I was like dang and that speaks to like things that are healthy being boring that's not the case <laughs> I've found a lot of um, freedom in healthy healthy while on the surface may seem boring because it's not exciting and intoxicating right uh, this is something that I'm learning I'm learning this through my relationship experiences I'm learning this through my career and it, it shows up in different ways. So um, I think that something to consider here is that I have always used control as a way of determining how much a partner cares about me. So I would try to control them. I will try to fix a situation as best I could in order for them to have to make a decision that either shows that they're in my favor or not in my favor. That's some toxic shit. And being as committed to healthy interactions, healthy relationships, and a healthy relationship with myself, I had to examine that. Uh, over the last, my throughout you know my current relationship, uh, I've settled into the identity of someone who is polyamorous 
and I've been challenged with that. I've been challenged about why I'm polyamorous, honestly, why I choose non-monogamy at all. And something came up where control was a legitimate issue. And I didn't realize this until I took time to go into myself. And then I had a conversation with my partner and I had a conversation with um, some other people, like just sharing bits and pieces for their perspective. And the general consensus was that I have control issues and it's this still internal toxic shit that regardless of how self-aware I am, like I recognize it there in my mind. And I like to think that I act in a way that is more healthy. Right. So, again, going back to control, just being my way of seeing how much someone cares for me and loves me shouldn't be something that we hold over a person's head. It shouldn't be something that I this is an I statement. This is my experience. And I got to remember that as I go through this, because I normally on the podcast, my oh, I normally on the podcast speak in a way that is something that um, we all can relate to. But this is my experience. This may not be your experience. Uh, this may be something that does or does not relate to you. But this is my experience. I examined control over a person as a toxic thing. And I've chosen to neutralize that toxicity by putting that control into boundaries. Ooh, I got chills when I said that. I feel like the man when I wrote that down. Because <laughs> uh, think about it. With boundaries, this is not only how you're able to show someone how to love you, but it's something that is co-created in a way that allows for people to show you how you can love them. So when you co-create boundaries, it's something that's reciprocated and reciprocity being one of my values. This is a healthy way of doing that. So these these boundaries are a healthy expression of control for me. So when you're able to go to a partner and say, hey, you know, here are some things that uh, I need to be honored in our relationship. You can turn around and there would be no need for control because the control that you've had internalized all this time is now rooted in these boundaries. And if both partners, all partners respect those boundaries, then what's the need for control over the partner? This is something that was healthy. It's it's on the it's in reality. It's not something that's in your head. You're not manipulating. You set a foundation for you to have your freedom and exploration and whatever else it is that you or your partner need. So not only that to me, but that that control also represented possessiveness. So it says, again, if I control you, you love me. And the control can be something that is over let's say sex over the decisions that a partner makes in regards to sex. So the narrative of controlling someone else's sex life. Now, I also recognize that I have some very dumb traits that I repress. And perhaps this is like the unhealthy expression of that. Uh, I mentioned that 
No, I'm not going to go into that. If you, you got to listen to the podcast to figure out where I tell those stories about dominance. But, um, yeah, that's something that I've repressed. And I think that it, like, seeped out recently in an unhealthy way of expression. And for me, being a black man, I see that we have challenges in expressing our emotions. So sex being something that is so intimate, something that requires such vulnerability and it, it, it can appear so surface level because how much closer can you get to a person than sharing your body with them, your naked body with them that demonstrates vulnerability in a physical way and yeah, I know that sex is also an energy exchange, but I think that the way that I've always viewed sex has been as a tool of emotional expression. And I came up with this uh, actually because um, someone I was chatting with, they mentioned uh when I talk to them about my views on non-monogamy, um, one of the words that I used was something about, uh, it, it made them think about the words like options, variety, and um, different, and a few other words that came up for them. And they said that when they talked to other partners about non-monogamy, this was what they came up with. And so I just, I just flat out asked her, I was like, are they all black men? She paused for a second. And then she was like, yeah, actually. And that's when the thought rushed in. It was like, oh, my God. Then that's what it might be. We look at sex as emotional expression. And, you know, again, this might be my experience only. But for me to have had this conversation with someone who had this conversation with so with a handful of black men, this is a very small sample size, who all are sharing the same thing, it's a view on looking at sex as a way of expressing emotion because we weren't taught to or taught how to. And this is the closest thing that we understand to vulnerability without further self-education about emotional intelligence at all. So my idea of controlling sex or control over sex, it's me controlling my connection. I have to receive security and connection, and that's where that control came in. Connection, connecting, it's, it's vulnerability in expression of emotion. Sex is one vehicle of exploration and my mind was just blown as I I haven't processed this so this is me processing I, I talked about it took these notes but as I talk through this I hope that it's coming together and making sense in a way that hopefully helps someone um my partner I brought this to her and she challenged me she goes why do you place so much value on sex when there is so much more than just that 
and a sense of how you connect with people. And when she said that, it made me think. I was like, well, I have this um, historical belief that sex is the end-all, be-all when it comes to connecting with someone, when it comes to vulnerability, because of how much value we put on it. Oh, my heater cut on. I thought I turned it off. Uh, It'll just be a few minutes, y'all. With all the value that we place on sex, when you have sex with someone, what happens is we are as vulnerable as we possibly can be. So that is like the limitation of where our connection could go. Once you break through that, think about it. If you have this um, desire with someone to connect sexually and then you have sex, it's like the tension's gone or not the tension's gone. It's like now that we've done the hardest thing or the most challenging thing or the thing that has the most of our attention, we can actually connect in other ways because that's the peak of closeness with someone, sex. Or that's what I thought. And again, maybe this goes back to just my own internalized toxic beliefs about what it meant to connect with someone. But that's really what I thought. And to her, she, she saw it to be very limiting and I was challenged <laughs> that's flat out I was challenged so that was my explanation and while we had you know two different observations there I look at uh, this analogy of two people standing across from each other one's looking down at the floor and sees a six the person standing across from that person sees a nine and after rotating around and seeing oh, you see a nine, I'm looking at a six, and for her to see the same, and then just kind of like walking along sides and seeing the dynamics of the number that we're looking at. We're looking at a number. And while, you know, just rotating perspectives makes the number look different, when you get a bird's eye view, you see the shape. And that was what, uh, that was what this conversation led me down the path of seeing is that, the overall shape is that sex is a vehicle it's a vehicle of expression and it's been one that I've used for my emotional expression for forever so the question becomes why sex why is that the limitation of my beliefs about connecting with someone because it's not about sex (laughs) it's about intimacy it's that that we want it's connection connection is the journey and the destination for me sex is a vehicle navigating that but there are other modes of transportation when she also asked me she asked me a question about um my other times in life where I felt most connected to or I felt most uh, yeah most connected like I felt that my emotional expression was safe because that was what it was about it hasn't been safe for me to express emotion but even from childhood 
it's always been safe for me to receive the emotion of others. So exercising control sets up a scenario where someone has to show me how they feel about me. So what other situations were I in that allowed for healthy emotional expression? Playing sports, having played football and been a part of a team, this was one way. Uh, I have more in-depth memories with my teammates from college and from high school and from middle school of just bliss and intimacy that aren't sex. It's closeness, it's connection, it's intimacy, but it's not sex. And these were safe ways of expressing emotion in the sense of anger, negative emotions, being angry. So angry like that I I have a place, an outlet for that anger. Go hit somebody on the field. Beat somebody. We're competitive. We're we're hitting one another. Like that was always there. But the the struggles outside of that, the the times where we know how how we were going to pay our rent together, where we know what our next move, uh, food, meal was going to be together, walking into unfamiliar territories together almost getting shot together fighting together these are so many of the memories that I have that highlight that alternative vehicle of experiencing connection to instead of sex and like I, I love I love those memories and they don't have anything to do with sex however Right now, not having that thing, sex is the primary mode of transportation for my emotions. That's what feels safe to me. I thought about other ways, other vehicles of uh, connection for me. And what came up is uh, the, the basically sort of common areas of uh, sex intimacy and what I just described with my teammates is creation purpose service community and I feel that I am also receiving this sense of closeness and safeness from my expression emotionally like I'm doing now on this podcast episode just talking about something that was a new discovery for me this is another form of emotional expression oh my heater cut off good y'all can hear me better (laughs) uh yeah so just I, i really found the entirety of the last few days of talking through this or thinking about this and having uh written down these little notes that i've taken to see that my need for control is something that's toxic because it's control over partners. How do I neutralize that toxicity? I co-create boundaries with a partner so that we can, or with even a business relationship, so that we understand how to respect and love one another. That's where control shifts into creation of boundaries. Looking at sex as someone who identifies as polyamorous or yeah we'll get to that 
as someone who identifies as polyamorous, I have to ask myself, is it about the sex? And is it like, why do I need to control sex? That's not what it is. It's about connection. And so historically, I've had this belief and this is where the control comes in. Uh, and that's just mono something culture, like mono normative monogamous culture. I don't know, <laughs> but I felt as if when you're connected to a partner, you can't connect with anyone else without disconnecting from your partner. And that belief uh, has been challenged by non-monogamy because I don't think that it's like an Ethernet cord anymore. I think that it's more of a Wi-Fi connection. You don't connect with your partner or somebody else. You connect with the Wi-Fi and you're connected. And then people join the Wi-Fi network. And that doesn't mean you're disconnected from others. I think that depending on how strong your bandwidth is, how wide your reach is for the radius of the Wi-Fi, like when you invite people into your space, into your room, and you give them the password to connect with you, um, obviously the more people that are connected to the Wi-Fi, maybe the slower the download speed. So it's a matter of learning your capacity. And I feel like something that I learned was has uh, throughout, you know, this exploration of control versus um, control over a person versus control over boundaries, control with a person. So like it goes from control over a person to control with a person. What can we control? Really nothing. But we can convert that energy into creating boundaries that we can set and utilize in order to respect and honor one another that's what that's about my wi-fi analogy um the the reason that i use that is just because like uh, being in a polyamorous relationship or being polyamorous period partners have or may have other partners and so when a partner is with another partner perhaps there is a disconnect there. And that was something that I had experienced. I experienced uh, a need for control. I had experienced a loss of control, and I was trying to get that back in a way <laughs> by controlling the sex life of another person. And, you know, even with my partner, I let her know. I was like, hey, I know where this is coming from. Here's what it is. Here's my healthy expression of that. I want for you to feel safe and respected and that our boundaries are honored. I want you to have the connection that you want. Because before it was like, man, I want to no, I want to control this. Like, think about me. That's what my ego was saying about all of this. My ego was in it tremendously. <laughs> and uh, through this whole processing of the 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 wi-fi example my own shit that came up with control as a form of love and seeing sex as a vehicle of expression for connection it challenged my 
beliefs on why I'm not monogamous on why I chose polyamory period uh, I think back and I, I believe that some of the more powerful connections that I've had during sex were ones that weren't there weren't expectations there wasn't pressure it was if anything the alleviation of pressure those interactions with people that weren't like forced it wasn't forced dating it wasn't uh like we didn't have the expectation of yeah there's definitely going to be sex right and again this being what i place most of the value on being sex how can you connect with someone when that's the one way that's the one way you know how to express emotion that's what i'm challenged with can i really connect with people if that's it like what happens if we don't have sex does that just mean we're not connected does that mean that you aren't safe to me to express my emotions to because I, I think about it, and when I played football, there were lots of emotions. There was excitement. There was the expression of anger. There was the expression of sadness during losses. Yeah, to y'all, it might just be a game if you're looking on the outside. But from the inside, I I struggled with these guys. We bust our ass. We done had injuries, sacrificed our bodies in some cases, broken things, uh, strained things. And we compete, we make each other better. And when you get better and you experience the loss of a game, you feel less than, you feel not enough, you feel insignificant. And I think that having sports to look back on and relate the experience of community and purpose to now having only exclusively the the vehicle of sex as a way of expressing my emotions because I, I think about it and like even when I lift weights or when I do yoga or when I run these aren't emotionally expressive outlets for me and I've mentioned on the episode called the emotions vampire I have created a life around being the recipient of intense emotions and realizing that I don't feel anything for myself to recognizing that the absence of me feeling my own emotions is actually my my natural state of emotion I think I came to realize was just me it, it was sexual energy it was horny like my natural state of being when everything is in line when everything's lined up and things are going well what i feel is horny that's my sense of peace like aroused basically so when everything's going good it's like all right sex and that's my way of like expressing excitement and maybe that's because of uh past issues with you know my like my dad issue of if i get excited then i'll be disappointed right so sex has been a way of me expressing excitement because things are good perhaps and i'm just speculating again i told you i'm processing (laughs) as we go through this um but this is my vehicle this is my vehicle of expression as well podcast something positive for positive people you know um and there was where was i going with that i wanted to close that out before trying to move on um 
in learning more ways to connect with people that don't exclusively look like sexual connection or expressing my emotions through sex. Like, that's my challenge now. I have what I believe to be and what I'm told by others often my purpose. Um, I'm building community. I'm in service. I'm creating. So here are other ways for me to express my emotions. So I want to do that more. I'm going to exercise that more. Uh, And like, what? so what does that mean for me in terms of my choice of non-monogamy and polyamory? Um, I believe that what that means now is looking at the fact that this has come to the surface about my connections being uh, so focused on sex, I got to shift that. <laughs> what does shifting that look like? Find out on the next episode of Something Positive for Positive People. No, I'm just kidding. It looks like exploring intimacy in other ways. Now that I know I've broken through the limitation of it being so focused on sex and sexual encounters. And for all the reasons that that's been just historical trauma, family trauma, and uh, just toxic behaviors instilled in me, what I've seen in the media, what I've learned through my experiences of life, and just having had relationships that I've demonstrated my safety of expression of expressing emotion of connecting through having sex flat out <laughs> so i'm hoping that my own self discovery here is something that helps other people you know control your boundaries we don't control much of anything in life in fact i'd say control is an illusion and for someone who says that to have just recently learned ways that they try and exert control and then control over another person that does not represent freedom and one of my core values is liberation liberation peace evolution and was reciprocity yeah reciprocity is not one of my core values actually that's a relationship value so yeah these are the three things that i have to live by at my core and it was challenged it was really challenged here um and i'm hoping that through having my values challenged that i'm able to continue to evolve and experience peace you see how those three things go together (laughs) um that's that that's what I wanted to share. Um, and this is me expressing that. And I don't I don't talk to many black men uh, on the podcast often. Uh, I've had people reach out and ask me questions, get what they need. But I'm not sure, you know, if many listen. But if you hear this and any of it might sound familiar, if you know a black man, if you're intimate with a black man, you love a black man. Please share this with them because I want to hear from other black men about this. If you don't know how to express emotions that aren't anger uh, or like violence being a tool of emotional expression, 
because that, that's what I've known, and football has been a violent sport. I haven't done violent things since I played football. Um, and I, I recognize it. I feel the rage. I feel the energy that comes up. And the only way that I know to, to get stagnant energy out is to move it perhaps through sex and that's when it happens so like the 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 stagnant it comes up like you need to clear your throat like just metaphorically you got this energy in you that cannot be created or destroyed it can only be moved transferred whatever and it gets stuck in your throat and the <clears throat> clearing of the throat has been just it's been my 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 version of doing that has been sex now because violence hasn't been on the table. So what other ways can I channel the stagnant energy that may be present? Like if it's not collecting in my throat um, or if it's not con if it's co collecting somewhere else, how can I move it? What are some other vehicles of moving this stagnant energy that has to move, has to express itself, has to be released? And that looks like experiencing my emotions. And if I want to genuinely connect with people, find new ways to do so. Explore new ways to do so. There's nothing wrong with my emotional expression through sex. I mean, I like it. I love it. I want some more of it. However, <laughs> recognizing how unconscious this shit was, like, I feel so free. And I think I, I wrote this down. I don't know if I said this on a podcast, but like to 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 me, it's important to be with people, whether it be relationships or business relationships or friendships who can show you freedom in a way that you just might not have experienced before. Because that's how I feel. I feel that through boundary setting, the things that don't sound like freedom, these are actually anchors. These are anchors that keep you from floating out in the space and then getting hit by a comet after you've suffocated and died and outside of the atmosphere. That's where these boundaries are. The Earth has boundaries, the boundaries of gravity and the atmosphere, right? So taking that into relationships, finding an anchor in the boundaries that you set for yourself and in your relationships so that you can be free. So that you can be free to express, free to explore, explore all of their, all of what there is to explore in a way that aligns with who you are and the truth that you tell yourself and the truth that you tell to other people is going to be um, just your, the formation of your boundaries. And I heard that on, I'm going to go ahead and shout them out, the Aubrey Marcus podcast. Um, this was a really, really good good episode it came out it's a two-part episode came out the week of february today's february 26 2021 so whatever week this is i think it's episode 267 or 287 one of those but yeah go check that out because like that made me that there was a quote in there that talked about that your truth living it loving your truth is the formation of your boundaries and that hit me so hard <laughs> because you can't be out of truth and have boundaries or express your boundaries because then your boundaries become malleable 
your truth isn't malleable when you live in it. So the formation of your boundaries looks like if someone does something to you that doesn't feel good, you call it out. That person's either going to walk away or they're going to respect it. And this is what boundaries are. Boundaries teach people how to respect us and how we can respect other people. So I've been like boundaries king lately because that's <laughs> me neutralizing the toxicity of my sense of control. And now I'm curious to explore this more in depth because where else am I exerting control? This challenges my view on relationships as well because I think that, uh, yes, non-monogamy gives me the freedom to explore the depths of connections with sex. But what other ways I look at a lot of the conversations that I have with women who find me through the podcast, very attractive women too. like y'all are y'all are amazing. Y'all gorgeous Um, to have emotional connections or be an emotional, safe place uh, to exchange the dialogue that I exchange with people, because I do talk a lot about sex and I talk very bluntly, like the way that y'all hear me talk on the podcast is the way I talk to people and it does come out. Um, in a way that makes people feel safe and comfortable, like it's genuine conversation um, and it's raw. Like people tell me shit that they don't even tell therapists and they pay to talk to them about this kind of stuff. <laughs> and so like the vivid details and such uh, have been threatening to other partners in the past. And so, well, I say other partners, y'all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it wasn't something that was that that made the other that made partners excited to know that I was talking to women about sex to know that there had been attraction being experienced or emotional connection but like this is this is one way that I express emotion in order to connect this is one of my vehicles there's sex there's the podcast there's the nonprofit and there's my willingness to go off and connect with people um through mutual interest whenever the world opens back up so yeah here i'll I'll just close that out now because i I think that yeah i I, i've processed this i understand what neutralizing the toxicity looks like now with that all said um yeah i looking at my notes real quick um ooh, may 1st week we got our group therapy going. I am extremely disappointed that we don't have a lot more people. We've got mostly the people who were at the first cohort, the first group therapy session that we had. Um, and now I think there's like 10 or 12 people. And I made February uh, all of the money, like not being able to pay myself and not uh, using what was raised here for anything else. Like I was able to raise the money that... Um, is needed for one therapist, which I guess is a good thing because we got it and we don't have too much of a demand. But the more demand created, the more oh, there goes my heater again. The more um, people we get in, the more I'm able to position something positive for positive people to get more funding opportunities to show them to show people how important um, it is that people with herpes receive mental health resources that they get free therapy because how because of how effective we are 
And it's not even about the herpes. Like I just went through this entire podcast episode about my experience as a person who's living with herpes. And we just talked about unhealthy behaviors I have. Take it to the next level. Like control is a it can lead to manipulation and abuse. Right. If especially unconscious, like I may be considered a quote good person, but I could do things that aren't good. And if someone isn't calling me out, if my partners and my people around me, my friends aren't challenging me on these things, then I'm just doing the shit. Right. Like, how do you just how do you how do you do that? How do you not manipulate and control and coerce right so I'm, I'm just so grateful for the people around me I think that uh, I've been able to really learn a lot about myself through my relationships with others and I'm hoping that through group therapy a lot of people are able to come through and uh, have that kind of healing for themselves as well the what 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 did I write right here? Oh, I wrote poly don't fit, <laughs> and that's what I was getting at. I don't I don't think I'm polyamorous. Uh, I've always wanted my relationships to just not be capped at sexual interactions. So having a relationship with a partner, like I have very close women friends who are attractive that I'm attracted to. Uh, even if it's one-sided or two-sided that I won't have sex with and that's okay but we have this experience of connection beyond anything else and these are healthy relationships I felt like I couldn't have those in a monogamous relationship but this is also something that just doesn't get talked about in relationships period so speaking about what your relationship with someone that you might be attracted to could look like and is the freedom of being able to explore sexually with someone that you feel that connection with if it calls for it can you do that is that okay that's something to be discussed in relationships and it goes back to boundaries so rather than trying to exercise control through my non-monogamy and polyamory i put that control into the boundaries so again neutralize the toxicity that's what i'm doing again this is my experience i'm putting it my experience my healing on display so that hopefully someone else uh is able to get some use out of it and then go through some of the healing for themselves too so that's that's it y'all i did it i did another solo podcast episode these tend to be the most popular ones or the most downloaded ones. Um, I don't know if it's the catchiness of the title or what, but uh, we'll see what this one does. I appreciate y'all listening and bearing with me through the processing of this. Um, it's not something that I, I guess I am comfortable now with expressing myself on here, but I don't do it often. I usually journal and keep it to myself, but this was just something that was worth sharing. And as I say it out loud, I can't bullshit myself. <laughs> I can't, I can't like scratch something out and then rewrite it, right? Um, this is just me speaking from the soul. And just like Future said, you can't enjoy life if it ain't toxic. He also says, sometimes when you speak from your soul, it sounds like you're singing. 
So I hope y'all enjoyed the music. Ah, see what I did there? <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, but thank you for witnessing me. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for making me feel safe in expressing my emotions via this vehicle uh, I call something positive for positive people. And thank you for just letting me do this because this makes me feel seen, not alone, uh, cared for. Because like I said, you know, I, I might have said this on another episode, just my early trauma is it, it stems from it being safe to receive emotion, but not express emotion. And here I am at 32 years old, built a whole damn nonprofit around being the recipient of intense emotion and now learning just now that it's actually safe for me to express emotion. So thank y'all for providing me with this safety net, for trusting me, for giving me this space of vulnerability and supporting it and uplifting it. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, share, 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 and subscribe to this podcast on whatever listening platform that you listen on. You can also visit www.spfpp.org in order to learn more. If you're a therapist and you have herpes and you want to support people living with herpes, let's get together and talk about what that looks like. I am paying for people to get therapy um, as best I can. And... Uh, for now, I'm sticking more so with the group stuff because that's just more cost efficient at the moment. And from what I saw with our one session that we had, people were able to get a lot out of it. I got some feedback from the people who uh, participated and I want to keep this going. So maybe eventually, you know, the support groups can look like ones that are led by a licensed mental health professional then something positive for positive people can be responsible for covering the fees that a therapist or a counselor have for their time till next time stay sex positive